What is up everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Hat Trick Hero Show. I'm your host Myron and without further ado, roll the intro. So welcome back everyone to another episode of the Hat Trick Hero Show. Uh, in today's episode, I have a special guest. He's been working in a media company for the past six years in Hong Kong and around the same time he officially moved uh, over to Maccabi in a much in recent years a much more managerial position and after being a player with them since uh, moving to Hong Kong in 2008 he's able to speak Mandarin English French and German uh, and I played under him during the 18-19 season and was given countless of opportunities for him. So without further ado, welcome my manager, Tim. Hey, Maren, how you doing? Good, very good. Um, so shall we get started, Tim? Sure, let's do this. So um, first, the first segment that we're going to talk about is obviously, I would say, your management tenure in Maccabi, which started in 2014 up to present day. So the first question I would like to ask you, since you were a player previously for Maccabi, why did you make the decision to step into management? Um, well, so as you say, I was playing for the club for a, for a few years. Um, I was actually a goalkeeper for them. Um, and actually, um, the club chairman at the time, um, who initially set up the club in 2007, uh, was leaving Hong Kong uh, to move uh, back to the UK. Um, and he was pretty adamant that there should be a, like a, a Maccabi representation in Hong Kong. Um, now, Maccabi is like a, a global sporting organization. Um, they have um, kind of clubs across the world. And he, he was very proud to have the representation in Hong Kong. Um, so when, when he left um, back in uh, about 2014, um, he kind of made myself and Ben, uh, you know, promise to keep the club running. Um, and it's it's something that we took on, and you know we're proud to obviously keep going um, and to have that representation in Hong Kong. So basically, it was kind of the you would say that the position was kind of entrusted to you after years of playing with the club. And I guess, if I remember correctly, you were the captain for the club for a, a period of time before you went into management. Um, no, I was never the captain. I um, actually, so two, um, so Ben, who you know, who, you know, is my, you know, is a coach alongside me, um, and another guy called Adam. Um, now, Adam was the club captain, um, and he, you know, in, in our first season, all three of us were kind of a, a joint management team. Um, he unfortunately had to move back to the UK, um, but, um, you know, after that, Ben and I took, took it on. Um, and you know, and took it forward from then. So uh, I was never the captain, but uh, yeah, I, I played it as a, as the goalkeeper. Interesting. So, in spite of all this, did you ever see yourself stepping into management? Like, do you always see yourself in a sort of leadership role? Um, not really. I mean, being a goalkeeper, I think kind of it gives you. You definitely have to be a good organizer. Uh, you know, you you need to know how to organize a defense. Um, so that kind of, you know, that, that was a definitely a plus point for me. Um, I didn't really see myself moving to management. I actually, you know, I've, I've always wanted to kind of, you know, work in, work in football. Um, and I'm sure we'll come on to kind of, you know, what I'm doing out, outside of management. Um, but the, you know, it's, it's not really something that, that, that I really kind of knew that I was going to do. Um, but when, when I was asked, it was kind of, you know, it was, 
it was a proud it was definitely a proud moment and you know I'm, i was happy to do and take on that's that's awesome um so uh, obviously coming into this uh i guess you could say interview or this casual conversation that we're having i did some research uh research up upon uh i guess what you do and whatnot and i found out that between 2010 and 2018 you did your diploma for football marketing and management under the sports business institute barcelona uh where where obviously you would get your uh, masters in 2018-19 so not that long ago um how did you think that the sort of knowledge that you gained from that experience influenced your view of the game well the course, it only would kind of briefly touch on the playing side of the game. So it had modules like sports science and psychology. Um, but the actual, the main part of the course was about the, the financial side of the game. Um, and even at amateur level, I, I think, you know, it's quite important to get the finances right because it, it does take the pressure off, off the playing side of the game. Um, right. So it, you know, if you have kind of healthy accounts for a football club, um, it allows clubs to have a bigger spend on creating an environment that players can enjoy their football. Um, so, you know, whether that means kind of better training facilities, you know, fun social activities outside of um, outside of the pitch, you know, for team bonding. Um, you know, what player doesn't like kind of the feel of pulling on a good quality kit or training on, you know, some of the best services? And I think, you know, if you have good finances at your club, it allows you to kind of do those sort of things. Well, I guess that's kind of a perspective that I wasn't sure about because I mean, obviously, doing the research, I have, I guess, I understand the surface of the whole situation, but that, that's good to know. So, I guess you would say that that kind of helped stabilize the club with regards to the finances and ensuring that the, the club will have a suitable training environment, suitable uh, training equipment and whatnot. Yeah, and as I say, you know, it, it definitely, you know, they, they do go hand in hand. As, as I said before, you know, if you've got good finances, it allows you to kind of, you know, give the players their kind of the best opportunity to perform on the pitch. Um, and, you know, whether whether it be, you know, as I say, you know, tr tr in, in the training training ground or, you know, a, a good quality kit, um, you know, it, it, it definitely helps kind of the, the playing side of the game um, to have, you know, a healthy bank balance and be able to do things that, uh, you know, some clubs um, may not have a bigger spend, you know, can't do. Well, I mean, clearly it has shown in the results that the team has been having since ever since joining the Yaoi League in uh, 2015. Um, so moving on, uh, how about you talk a little bit more about, I guess, the style of play that you like your teams to play? What is the sort of inspiration you have for that? Um, well, since, since I've taken over, we've always played in the same formation, which, as you know, it is, you know, is a 4-3-3 four, four, three, three with the ball and a 4-5-1 without the ball. Um, most youngsters, when they grow up, you know, they're used to playing four at the back. Um, yep, yep. So, you know, I like to keep the defensive side of the game quite simple. Um, the teams, you know, you, you'll always have mixed abilities when it comes to kind of understanding tactics in, in the team. So if you try and overcomplicate things, you know, it can cause confusion, uh, particularly, you know, in, in defence at the back. Um, you know, foot, football at our level is kind of mainly always won and lost in midfield. Um, so to have the assurance of the five midfielders when we don't have the ball, it was kind of a big importance to me. Um, and as you can probably remember, you know, when you played on the wing for us, uh, the wingers, you know, they'd have to go both ways, um, not only do the attacking, but, you know, tracking back and kind of helping to protect the fullbacks. Um, you know, I, I believe that every kind of position on the pitch is, is kind of like a partnership uh, with someone else. So whether it be the two centre-backs, uh, the fullback and the winger on either side, 
um, the two kind of central midfield blockers or the, or the 10 and the striker, you know, they're kind of working, working in pairs um, to kind of, you know, to, to follow the manager's instructions. So I guess to put it simply, you can kind of say that the team likes to play a sort of total football sort of style where everyone's working hard for the team. Work ethic is extremely important, working on both defensively and offensively and the whole team really contributing to the success of how the whole engine runs, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you, you've, got to, you've got to be able to do the... Uh the dirty side or, you know, the, the side that, you know, some people are obviously, you know, you, you've got attacking players, you've got flair players, not all of them like tracking back. Uh, but I think it's important, um, you know, you, if you can start with a solid base at the back um, and, you, and, you know, your, your, your wingers can come and help, uh, you know, help your full backs out, um, then, you know, you're, you're, gonna, you're not going to lose many games if, you know, if, if you're keeping clean sheets or you're not letting in many goals. So we kind of started from that base. Um, and we kind of let the, the front four, um, you know, have a little bit more creative, creative freedom. Um, and although, as I say, you know, you, you still got to encourage your wingers, you know, to kind of come back. Um, what I kind of say to all, all our players is they've got to be kind of, um, you know, they, they've got to have a little bit of football knowledge and they've got to kind of be able to spot where the problem is on the pitch. If, if you have a, if you're playing against the team and... Um, you can see that they're always coming, attacking down their right-hand side or our left-hand side or, or the other way around. Uh, you know, the players themselves have got to kind of have the, the, the knowledge to kind of be able to see that happening and kind of plug that gap. Um, it's not just for the manager to, to say that. Kind of the captain and, and kind of the players, you know, on that side need to kind of work hard and, and recognise that that's where the problem is and that's where we have to kind of shore up, shore up the gaps. I think that's really true, actually. I think this is quite a hot take, I would say. But I think most of the time when a team doesn't perform, most of the time, most of the media or the players would usually first point at the manager as a scapegoat towards the whole issue. Whereas, I, I want, your, take, I want your, your official take on this debate, I guess you could say. Would you say that, how much percentage would you say that the player has to contribute, like, is, is responsible for the issue and how much is it with regards to the manager? Is it equal? What, what's your take on that? Well, the manager can only do, do so much, you know. He, he can prepare a team to, to the best, you know, of, of his abilities. Um, and, you know, if, if the team is prepared and, the, and, they, and they follow his kind of you know, his instructions and then they go and lose, then yeah, maybe you can say, okay, that's the manager's way. But football's not one of those things like, you know, other sports like American football or basketball where there's lots of different set plays. It's, it's kind of a flowing game and, you know, you can't always, you know, plan for everything. So as, as I say, you need to kind of have, each player needs to have that, you know, that kind of knowledge um, of, you know, of tactics where they can kind of see where problems are happening and can kind of fill in. Um, you know, so so I think you know both the manager and the player have got equal responsibility to kind of you know rec recognize problems and recognize you know what we're doing well, what we're not doing well, and kind of fix them as the as the game flows. Um, but it, as I say, it's very hard because it's it's such a flowing game, and and you know it, there are thousands of different combinations. Um, you know, even from just you know from a throw in or a kickoff. Um, you know, it, it's up to kind of both sides to, to, to kind of learn the, the tactical side of the game. I completely agree with you. I think, in my opinion, I think both both sides are equally responsible for the sort of uh, outcome of the result, to be fair. 
Um, I think at times players really do have to step up on the field and really adapt to the situation. Obviously, like you mentioned, managers can prepare the team with the tactics and you know lay out the plan and whatnot. But most of the time, the players have to adapt to the situation because the the team may not the opposition may not always play the way that we expect them to, and the players on the field need to be need to be quick in adapting to the situation and really, I guess. Ha show some brilliance on the ball and you know have a little bit of magic and whatnot going forward so i was gonna say you could be the best player in the world but if, if you haven't got any kind of tactical knowledge then you know you, you're not going to get far so, so you need to kind of have you know a, a bit of both that's very true football football intelligence is very important and clearly it clearly is really important in i guess the maccabi system that has been adopted even though as as simple as tim may have explained it i think in, in general, football knowledge is really important. Your understanding of the game really will make a difference between you taking the next step into, you know, taking how far you can take your game with. Um, yeah, uh, so I guess moving on, I would like to ask you a certain question because I'm actually quite intrigued from the certain statistics that I actually tracked. So you guys be have been in Yaoi League since the 2015-16 season up until now. Correct. So you guys have been around for basically six seasons, and basically I I did some uh, calculations and whatnot, and you've got under under your management team, you guys have had a sixty five percent win percentage, including this season, and I think that's and I think that's quite impressive for the sort of uh, competition that you've had to face, especially in recent seasons. So. Talk me through, um, how did you guys create an amazing team team culture in order to be able to compete every season since joining Yao Yili? And f because I've, I've talked, I've been very proud to talk about this, but I've always said that my favorite team that I've played for was Maccabi. Even my brother has said that even though his short tenure with the club, he said that countless of times that he's really enjoyed his time playing for the club. So talk me through about that. Um, well, it, it helped that we took over a team, you know, when, when we did take over, it, it was young, but it, it still had an experienced core to it. So we, we've been playing in a, in a different league, uh, a league called the City League, which didn't have the organisation of the Yari League. Um, but we took most of our players, you know, from, from that squad kind of transfer, transferred over to our Yari League squad. Um, and I kind of, I think the most important thing for Ben and I was to, to get the right captain. Um, not only did that have to be kind of someone who was a good player and who had experience, but someone who would kind of be our eyes and ears, not only on the pitch, but in the dressing room too. And when I say dressing room, I don't mean literally dressing room. I kind of mean out, you know, off, off the pitch, whether right. it be at socials or training or things like that. Um, you know, someone who kind of shared our philosophy, um, our love for the club, and also who was kind of obviously integrated into the team. Um, I think it's it's important for any coach to have that kind of go between, um, you know, between the players and the coaching team. It kind of allows the manager to kind of be able to say some of the some of the stuff that you know, the important stuff, the, the stuff that's sometimes hard to say to the players, because um, we've got that barrier where players can you know talk to cap the captain or they can come and talk to the manager. Um, I think it's important for the managers to, yes, kind of get involved in the fun stuff like the socials, etc. But there also kind of needs to be that that barrier, that level of respect that sometimes we can't get involved in as, as much as we'd like to, um, because we kind of want to create the kind of, you know, the 
to kind of show that you know we, we are in charge and then there kind of needs to be that that little bit of kind of gap between between the coaching staff and the players um, sort of so, structure i guess you could say yeah exactly you know structure and kind of uh you know and to have someone that was kind of in between that and kind of can be both you know, be able to talk to to the manager and the the coaching team one on one, but also obviously able to to go out and kind of hear what the players are saying and and kind of get a feeling for the team. Um, so that so that was important, and you know, I, I believe that um, you know we we picked a good one uh, in Ruben. Um, so if you're listening, Ruben, shout out to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, so I think that you know that's probably our, the most important kind of takeaway for kind of creating a, a good atmosphere. Uh, you know, is to get the right person that, that's the go between the manager and the players. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, definitely, I would say during my time at Maccabi, I think Ruben was really helpful with regards to integrating me and also a few other new players at the club. Really integrate us into the club in understanding the philosophy and culture. And you're right, it is quite true that the captain is one of the most essential roles to kind of be the player, the player coach, I guess you can say, the coach on the field and the one that kind of leads everyone to have a better understanding and have better communication between the players and the manager and whatnot. Yeah. And, and also, you know, you, you've got to kind of get the balance right because it's, it's hard that there are some players who maybe don't make the, make the, the, the starting 11 every week. Um, and you've got to be able to kind of keep them interested. You've got to keep them invested. You've got to kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're quite important players because sometimes they might not be the best players, but... Um, it's good to have the sort of player that's got the right kind of mentality and attitude uh, there that kind of, don't, you know, they, they don't mind sitting out the odd game. I mean, it, it's not nice for every player to sit out. But, you know, it, even if, if those players there are happy, then it kind of it's a lot easier to kind of keep the whole squad happy. Yeah, I think that's very important, especially at our level where obviously the players are not paid. So obviously the sort of incentive will come with match day and training sessions, really. And if... You know, obviously, if they don't get the sort of minutes that they would expect that they want, and let's be honest, everyone on the team would believe in 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 themselves that they have the ability to break into the starting eleven and they want to play. And when they're not given sort of game time, it is important to manage the sort of. I guess to a certain extent, you can say managing the egos in in the dressing room and making sure that no one is unhappy and making sure that everyone is is really fully committed to, I guess, the project at hand, you know, which is obviously the season. And, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. You know, as you know, kind of, you know, we had players like Pedro who who may not have made the starting eleven every week last year. But, you know, he he was such a, a pleasure to manage and he always turned up with a smile on his face and he was happy to, you know, to come on when we needed him. He was a, he was a good player. Um, but you know those sort of players are are just as important as you know as your kind of best player that's playing every week. It's kind of good to create that atmosphere in the squad, um, you know, where everyone is happy. Shout out to Pedro. Uh, yeah. Um, so I I think we've slightly touched upon this question. That I'm gonna bring up next. Um, what what are your goals for the club moving forward? As obviously the club is still at a very early stage, as you said, it's been around since 2007 and realistically you've been really you and Ben have been in charge since 2014 so what are the aspirations and the goals for the club moving forward um well what I'd say is that phase one when we took over the club was to kind of establish ourselves in the Yali League um we played when we first took over we played a season outside of the Yali League 
and then um, we we had to join apply to join the AU League. Now the process to join the AU League is quite a tough one. Um, it involves you know rounds of interviews and presentations to the Yari League committee as well as all the other teams in the leagues, um, and they kind of they expect you to be a well-run club and to make sure you know that there's a team out there every Sunday that league fees are paid and fines are paid all on time. Um, and we felt by the end of kind of last season that we probably completed phase one, and that this current season and then going forward it's kind of a, a new phase to the club. Um, so going forward, we, we kind of we want to be able the club to be able to establish itself in the top division, um, and also to bring through a new generation of players. Um, now, as you probably know, you know we've integrated quite a large number of younger players um, both this season and last season, and you know hopefully they're going to form the nucleus, you know the core nucleus of the, of the squad going forward. Um, you know, and it and it allows us to, you know, it, when the time comes, if if we need to move on, we know that we've kind of left the club in a very strong position. It's got a, you know, health, health of finances off off the pitch, and also, you know, on the pitch, we've got we haven't got a squad that needs to be kind of completely overhauled. It's going to have a lot of you know younger players that that, that have played and have the experience. Um, and hopefully, as I say, you know, the, the club um, can, can hopefully push for promotion, whether it be this season or next season, um, you know, and, and kind of stick around in Division One. We, we know how hard it is to break into Division One, but we also know how hard it is to stay there because there's quite a big gap between the teams that are at the very top teams like the football club. Um, you know, there, there are three football club teams. They have big financial backings. They have a large pool of players to draw from. Um, you know, they have the the, the great facilities. Um, so we know that there is a big gap, but we believe there are teams like, um, you know, Gas and Squadron who have kind of been able to to bridge that gap and, you know, to be able to keep up with them. Um, and we hope that, you know, in, in the future, we, we can kind of be one of those teams. That's, that's awesome. I think that's... I kind of, I guess I can, I kind of ex, sort of expected that. I think realistically one of the biggest end goals would be to keep the club in a sort of stable environment, uh, ensuring and pushing really into Division 1 because that's one of the highest levels that you can reach at. And I think, honestly, because I've watched, uh, the, you know, under the Hong Kong FA, they had Division 1 and Division 2 and Division 3 and obviously the Premier League. I would say our league, like Division 2, Yao League Division 2 is open. It's almost comparable to Division One under the HKFA. So honestly speaking, like pushing all the way to Yao League Division One would be quite a feat. And being a stable club there, as in recent times I remember a club that I trout for, uh, Azuri, they've done a fantastic job with regards to recruiting players, keeping the club stable and really cementing their spot in Division One. And I think that's I guess that I'm assuming that's one of Maccabi's phase two biggest steps with regards to moving the club forward. For sure. And you know, the, the Yari League, they market themselves as kind of the number one amateur amateur league in Hong Kong. Um and you know, the the, the standard um, particularly, you know, at, at you know, division one and, and you know and some of the teams in division two, um, you know, is 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 a very, very good standard and um, you know where we are now, um, you know, kind of towards the top end of Division Two. You know, we're very proud of kind of how far we've come under myself and Ben. Um, you know, considering where where we were when we first took over. Um, 
So yeah, so you know, we we, we don't set any boundaries, and we and we hope to be to be up there in the, in the next few years. That's awesome. Uh, I think one last question with regards to your management tenure. I think I want to talk a little bit about this season in particular. Uh, obviously, I'm no longer part of the club right now, and but I have been following the results and whatnot. And recently, there's been a sort of poor run of games, I would say. Talk me a little bit through with regards to how the team is as a whole, the squad morale, and what's been going on, really. Sure. Okay. Um, this season, we actually we started very well. Um, we recruited uh, we recruited well over over the uh, the break, um, and we brought in a, a lot of good players, um, particularly at the back. Um, we started. Um, I think we conceded the least goals in all four divisions in the first kind of four or five games. Um, but we've we've had a big problem with injuries this season. I think we've lost three or four um, players, including obviously yourself, in in our very first game uh, to, to knee injuries. Um, yeah. We were also kind of heavily affected by the um, the political situation in Hong Kong. We had we had a few students playing for us. Um, who had to, you know, they're, they're on exchange in Hong Kong and had to go back to their countries. Um, so we lost kind of, I think, uh, you know, two or three very good students. Um, and our, it definitely affected our form, um, particularly because, in fact, a lot of the players that we lost either through injury or through, or through um, them leaving Hong Kong were all in kind of similar positions. Um, so we we struggled to kind of to, to fulfil that that position. Um, so we have struggled recently. Um, we all, but we did manage to put together a good cup run. Um, and we recently, in fact, just be uh, just been knocked out of the cup by um, Hong Kong Football Club, um, which was it was actually the first time that we've played at the football club as Maccabi. Um, which was a really good experience for a lot of the younger guys. Um, we, we put in a really good performance. Um, we didn't let ourselves down. Uh, we did ourselves proud, and you know we lost. But you know even the other the other team who are you know they're, they're top of Division One. They they're unbeaten all season. They said you know you gave us a, a, as hard a game as, as most teams in in Division One. Um, so we were very proud of that, um, and it's something that um, you know we want to take. Um, for the second half of the season or, or for the next phase of the season um, you know we want to take that those positives and hopefully we can push on um, promotion is is touch and go this season um, it's it's quite a tight league um, I think our recent form may have kind of you know left us maybe a bit too much to do um, but we want to continue to you know we as, as I've said before we've integrated a lot of the, the younger players we want to give them a lot of game time um, and then hopefully next year we can kind of, you know, put a, a proper title push um, together. Yeah, I think it's quite unfortunate when it with regards to the injuries. I, I remember like a few, I think one of your, one or two of your players had ACL tears as well. And, and obviously with regards to the political environment with Hong Kong and a lot of things have been piling up with regards to, you know, coronavirus, obviously Hong Kong politics and whatnot. Everything has been really messy and I think that's also taken a toll on everyone's daily lives and obviously it can be very distracting. The noise is really loud. Yeah, and you know, it's it's been a very stop and start season, you know, with, with the political situation and with the virus. We, we've missed a lot of games. Games have been called off. 
Um, we're not and currently we're not kind of sure when our next match is because of the because of the, the virus in Hong Kong. Um, so it, it is definitely difficult to kind of you know keep the squad um, focused and together and fit. Um, but you know I, I trust I trust our guys. We, we've got a lot of guys that kind of you know they're experienced and you know they should be keeping themselves fit. You know even even in downtime even when we're not playing. Um, and, you know, as I say, you know, I hope to, you know, with them and the young guys, we can kind of, you know, start building again um, and, you know, and finish the season strongly. All right. Awesome, Tim. Uh, now we're going to move on to the next segment of the podcast. So this is the end of uh, the segment where we talk about Tim's management and whatnot. So, yeah, we're going to move into the next segment of the podcast. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the next segment of the podcast where we go into a little bit more detail and about, I guess, general questions about leadership and management and, I guess, certain debate topics I want to have Tim's take on. So, Tim, right now, I guess, like you said, move, I guess segmenting from the last segment where we talked a little bit about how motivating the how it's important to keep the players focused and whatnot on the goals at hand for the season. Uh, so let me ask you this question. I think it's a really straightforward one, but I guess you can go in more depth. How do you motivate your players? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that Ben and I, we have very different approaches um, and it works very well together. Um, so kind of before kickoff and at halftime, um, Ben and I... Ben likes to talk a lot and, you know, think if things are not going away, he's normally always very positive. Um, I'm a lot calmer, um, but I think that, you know, if things need to be said, um, you know, and I, and I think I need to kind of not? get the best out of players. Um, you know, I'm not afraid, afraid to say those things to players. Um, in the bigger games, that I trust that my players, you know, are going to be motivated by the situation. And, you know, they'll know the importance of the game. So, um, you know, the bigger games are kind of, I, I, I kind of like to leave the players to themselves to kind of think about their individual battles with the players that they'll be marking or up against. Um, and kind of the, the, the motivation comes from the situation of, you know, the size of the game, the importance of the game, rather than kind of us screaming or shouting or us talking a lot. Um, so it kind of it does depend on, on on different games. Yeah, I completely agree. I think especially I I think last season in the 2018-19 season, I think the biggest problem that our squad had was not really getting motivation against big teams because we really stepped up our game during big against the big clubs like Colloid, Swiss, uh, I think HKU 70s. But we really struggled against mid-table to the lower half of the team. Like I remember we lost White Youth 2-0. We lost against IES twice the last season. I think we really struggled uh, when it came to getting motivation with regards to the, I guess you can say, weaker opposition, below average. Uh, and whereas, obviously, like you said, the motivation for for bigger games came from the circumstances. And clearly, I, I could see from both uh, Ben and your management styles that it re the dynamic really works out because you both aren't like, for example, both shouting or both like being positive. It's it's a good balance, and I think it's really important with regards to that because if the manage if the management are always like one are going one way, for example, always shouting, then the players are not gonna listen because they're just gonna be like, okay, the manager's going off again. Or if the manager's like, oh, you know, yeah, come on, guys, we can rally and all that. Then the, the, the players would feel like there's no real 
adapt there's no real adaptability to the circumstances and whatnot yeah correct i think um you know as you say it's it's different motivation for different types of games and also it's different motivation for different types of players different players respond to um you know kind of some of them need encouragement and an arm around the shoulder some of them need to kind of be g'd up and you know and kind of you know hit the notes where you know where you have to kind of you know really get them going and 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 kind of you know poke them a little bit like poking the bear um but i i think that you know as you say ben and i have have very different styles i think it works very well together um and you know it's you're right you know the lesser games are are harder to motivate the players players think they can kind of turn up they don't really need tactics that they can just kind of you know go out and and play and play how they want to play and and they'll go over and they'll steamroll these teams doesn't always happen you know particularly when you're a big side and and clubs like to you know that they like to beat you because because you're at the top of the you know at the division and you know you're there and and clubs you know want to come and, and get one over on the bigger team so you definitely need to have a different type of motivation or you know you need to motivate players in a different way um for, for different games yeah i i think it's really important that the that the leaders of the of the group and whatnot have to understand the sort of players that they have the sort of uh, people that you know they're looking after and it's important to adapt to the sort of style that they may need that how how they how do you push their buttons how do you motivate them and whatnot so yeah i think that's very important um, moving on, I guess I want to talk, I want to ask you a little bit about your inspiration for your tactical approach for the game. Was there a particular manager that you looked up to and whatnot, or was there a sort of style of play that you really, really enjoyed watching? Perhaps? Well, obviously growing up, um, you know, I watched a lot of professional football on TV. I went to a lot of games, um, in the, in the Premier League. Um, as I mentioned before, obviously also being a goalkeeper in my playing days, I kind of knew how to organize a defense very well. And get the positioning of the players. Um, if you if you kind of look at the the for example, we'll take the Premier League. Most teams at the top of the Premier League now they say they play a kind of similar tactical style to us um, in being four three three with the ball and four five one without the ball. Uh, you know, so if you think you kind of you know the three across the top, you look at Liverpool, you've got you know Firmino, Mane, Salah. Uh, you know, you look at Tottenham, you've got you know Son, um, Kane, and you know whether it be um, you know Lucas or someone on that side. So, so a lot of the teams at the top kind of play a similar formation to us. Um, what I also I think kind of over the last few years we've seen the, the press coming in, into the game, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of something that we've taken. So it's maybe not something that we did kind of three, four, five years ago, um, but we've tried to kind of replicate that recently with our players over the last kind of couple of seasons. Um, to kind of get players to um, not press all the time, but when you have your leader, the, the, the guy that kind of everyone takes their cue off, when he goes to press, you know, the whole team goes to press, and you try and get the opposition to make the mistake, you know, in their own half and win the ball up high. Um, and then it's obviously a lot easier to kind of, you know, create an attacking opportunity if you're winning the ball up high rather than kind of winning it in, you know, around the centre circle or, or towards your own box. Um, so we've definitely tried to kind of take some things, um, you know, from watching watching a lot of professional football. Um, and you know, I, I recommend any football, any football or any coach to kind of, you know, watch as much football as possible and kind of, you know, to take take a, a kind of, you know, a step back and and look at players that maybe the, the ball will be on the left wing, but kind of look where the players are, look where you, look where the right back is, look where the right winger is, and kind of see where their position their positional sense is. Yeah, I think it's really it's really 
a good way to I guess p- pinpoint certain uh, strengths that the opposition uh, well the professionals do the absolute best and whereas you know obviously try try to learn from their weaknesses as well and what uh, uh, you know what tactical sort of simplicities are be are can be used in the sort of level that we're playing at because obviously they are the professionals are a completely different level and obviously Premier League being one of the most competitive leagues in the world uh, but yeah I think that's that's quite a good way to look at it I think it's important that managers who are people who are potentially stepping into management have to really study the game and really have a better understanding of how the best of the best do it and adopt I guess you can say copy their styles or sort of adopt their styles into their sort of management right. I mean look we, we, we've all got you know we may not be as good as the professionals um, but we've all got similar side brains we can all kind of you know learn the, the tactical side of the game as much as, as the professionals um, so you know that that's what you've got to take and you've got to kind of you know study a, a player that plays in your position and kind of you know see where he positions himself when you haven't got the ball when the ball's not you know on his side um, you know, and kind of see, you know, when he tucks in, when he goes out wide, if you're a winger, for example, um, fullbacks, you know, when he comes across on the cover, when, he, when he's back in a centre-back position, if, if the ball's on the other side, um, and kind of, you know, learn, learn from that, that side of the game. You know, OK, we don't all have the, the skills of professional footballers, um, but we've got, you know, we've all got the same size brain and we can all kind of, you know, do similar things with regards to the tactical side of the game. Yeah, definitely. I, I think... All, all, all the young players out there who are watching this definitely study uh, a professional in your position. Study with the best of the best in the world. I think it's very important to really adopt what they're doing. And I think obviously they are the best for a reason. And understanding where to position yourself, especially off the ball. Because I think a lot of youngsters nowadays, they have the perception, oh, what do I have to do on the ball? But realistically, I remember I heard some statistics before that most players average around a minute plus in a 90-minute game where they'll be on the ball, whereas most of the time they're off the ball. So I think off the ball movement is very important, where you position yourself off the ball, where uh, are you aware of where your teammates are on the field and whatnot. I think those are very important things that I guess some young players may not understand because obviously... They just look at the highlight reels where it's like, oh, they beat past five players. They do rainbow flicks, step overs. You know, they do the the long shots and whatnot. So I think it's very important to understand the sort of side that may be neglected a lot of the time. Correct. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So moving on, I think we've kind of also touched upon this a little bit, where you've been in recent seasons, the club has been trying to integrate younger players into the squad. What are your thoughts on finding balance within the squad? How many, like vet- having veterans with young players? What do you, what do you, how, how important do you think this is? Well, I think it, it's it's very important to have a mix in the squad, but it's not so much about kind of age. It's more about influence and uh, influence on the squad. Um, you know, the influence they have on the team's attitude and and the psyche of the team. Um, you know, younger players can still have you know good experience. Um, look at someone like Ruben, for example. Yeah, he's one of the younger players in the team, but he's seen as a veteran by a lot of the newer members of the squad um, because he's got a lot of experience. Um, you know, you've obviously got to keep an eye on the fitness of of, of the players when they get older, um, and sometimes you do have to manage the play. You know, their minutes on the pitch. Um, but you know, as I say, it, it's good to have a mix, but it's not necessarily about having old and young. It's about having kind of experience and. Getting them, you know, getting the, the newer players, the players without the experience, to kind of play alongside the players with the experience. Yeah, I think it's very important that you do not. 
I guess, neglect a player simply because of their age. I think it's important that you that to understand where the, how experienced they are. Like you mentioned about Ruben, shout out to Ruben again. Uh, that he, even though he is like I. I think 25, 26 years old. He he is still like you said, like you mentioned. He is one of considered as one of the veterans of the team, and he's really perceived as, as uh, a player that uh, that is Mister Reliable, I guess you can say. And yeah, I think it is important to find a, a mix of both youngsters and veterans because obviously it's very important to always get the younger players in, you know, to kind of renew the squad, give a difference of energy. And whatnot. Yeah, and uh, you know, any any kind of managers listening, you know, don't be afraid to put youngsters in. Um, you know, it's yes, it's good to have experience, but play, you know, younger players aren't going to get that experience w- without playing. Um, as as you know, we, we we you know put a lot of youngsters in, um, and you know they they've come good, and and we know that you know they'll be great um, acquisitions for the future of the club. Um, so don't be afraid to put the youngsters in. That's that's a good take, Tim. I like that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I guess another question that I would like to ask, I guess, it's, I guess, a little bit more personal with regards to the team that you've managed in, in the past. Um, who's your favorite player that you've ever managed on? Like, who's the, your, your absolute favorite player that you've managed? Um, well, I think obviously asking a manager uh, who the favorite player is, it's tough. Um, because as a manager, obviously, you want different things from players. Um, so what, what I'm looking for, if, if you're going to ask me kind of my favorite player who I've managed, um, you know, I want someone who uh, shows commitment, uh, willingness to listen and to take on board what Ben and I tell them both on the, you know, the training field and also on match days. Um, so those with a willingness to listen and take on board, you know, they're, they're great for a coach. They're, they're great, great for, play, uh, for coaches like us. Um, but if I had to pick um, a player, um, I guess, you know, Ophir would be one of them. Um, not only does he have great commitment, um, but, you know, literally he would run through a brick wall for the club. Um, he's hard as nails. 100%. Uncompromising, passionate. Um, obviously, I, you know, special mention to both yourself and Yoav. Um, <laughs> pleasure to manage too. Um, Actually, and also, he was probably a player, I think he was just before your time, but we had a player called Hans. Hans, and he was like a, he was like a Dutch Michael Carrick. Um, you know, he was a proper, proper Rolls-Royce of a player. He could play with both feet. Um, and he was just one of those players that, you know, ev- everyone else kind of played the game at his speed. Um, he, would control, he would control the tempo. He was brilliant. He, you know, he, he would look like he's got so much time on the ball. Um, and he was a really good guy too, and he was a pleasure to manage. Um, so those guys were, were some of the kind of the guys that I think were standout players to have managed uh, at Maccabi. Wow, I think I would have been fun to play with Hans, that's for sure. He sounds like an awesome player. Nice. Oh, okay. Um, so I guess we've touched upon this a little bit in the first segment. Uh, the importance of role players in the squad. I think, talk a little bit more about that. What What do you think... Why do you think role players are so important? Apart from obviously the, I guess you could say the key key players in the team. Well, I think that um, you know we we like players that, as, as I said before, that kind of show their commitment and show their willingness. Um, and I think, for example, picking Ruben as captain, we thought he was probably the best role model of the club. Not only is he, you know, he's a pretty good player. Um, 
but he also yeah he liked he liked to integrate everyone if there was a new player that came to training he was the first one to go over to talk to them uh you know and trying to get them integrated into the squad um so he was a very good role model um at the club um and you know it's it's hard because we have players who are great players who might not have the similar commitments to other players um, or the similar passion for the club. Um, so, you know, it, it, you've got to find that balance. Um, but, you know, players that are, you know, like Ruben, that, that are easy to manage, you know, players like you who kind of used to work on their game, not just at training, but, you know, outside in their own time. You know, these are the sort of players that we feel, you know, are great to manage. You, you guys, you know, you, you're like sponges. You, t- you take on what we say. Um, you know, and as I say, you know, it shows the younger players how it should be done. Yeah, I think it's important for, I guess, the role models of the club to set a high level of standard for everyone else to follow. Because if there's no sort of standard of play that we have, the sort of expectation that everyone has, then everyone would just be like, okay, we'll just play like that or we'll play like this. And there's no real formula, I guess, for success that the club can follow. Indeed. And, and we know players, you know, a lot of the players, they don't have that passion and that love for the club that we do. Um, you know, not, every, not everyone does. Um, so it, it's, it's difficult. But, you know, we, we hope that kind of the, the role models kind of can show these players that, you know, if you do kind of t- take on that passion for the club, then, you know, we can actually, you know, do great things at the club. 100% man I completely agree um yeah I think that's all the questions that I have for this segment um in the next segment I'm going to do some quick fire questions with Tim and yeah we'll get right into that so stay tuned all right so welcome back to the last segment of the podcast the in this in this segment we're going to be doing quick fire questions with uh Tim my manager. So, Tim, let's get started, shall we? Sure. All right. The first question I would like to ask: Your favorite player of all time? Um. Okay. So I'm a big fan of the entertainers. Um. So I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you three wingers. Um, okay. All, all who played with similar style and swagger. Um. And they will probably be Gareth Bale, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, and uh, maybe a bit before your time, but David Ginola. Um, okay. I, so I, I believe that you know players they, they've always got to be entertaining the crowd and I think these three definitely get most fans off their feet when they got the ball those are good picks I, I honestly speaking I thought you would have picked some goalkeepers but I'm I'm a little bit surprised but hey okay um favorite manager of all time favorite man I probably have to say Sir Alex um you know I I I grew up watching his counter-attacking teams, um, you know, with pacey wingers. Uh, he was a strong but fair disciplinarian, um, and he rebuilt at least three squads during his time at United. Um, so I'd probably say Sir Alex. Good pick. All right. Um, favorite season managing Maccabi? Um, probably the season before the current one, the one that you played in. Um, not only because it was a good footballing side, but also because we had a lot of talent amongst the squad, and it, you know they were a good group of guys. Um, the group dynamics was very good, the commitment was good, and we had a good season. So yeah, I'd probably say that one. I'm a little bit surprised with that pick as well. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> but okay. Um, if you could name one match that you've personally watched, whether it be on TV or you've been at, what was your favorite match of all time? Um, 
It's hard to say favourite because I've been to, um, you know, I've been to a lot of games where, um, you know, I've seen a lot of goals. Um, I, in fact, my, so one of my first games at the old Wembley was my dad took me to see England v Argentina. Okay. Um, and I saw Maradona and Lineker play. Um, so it was such, a, you know, it was such a great honour to see Maradona play. Um, it wasn't a great game, so I'm not sure if I can say it was my favourite match, but it was definitely most memorable. In fact, I, I think he actually got sent off in that match, um, <laughs> which I think, yeah, I think he, he he got sent off for spitting at Gary Lineker. So uh, yeah, oh don't my do that gosh, <laughs> don't do that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> Wow, that I wow, I had no idea about that, but that, that that's interesting. Okay, um um okay, another one, favorite football experience, I guess you could say, whether it be an event, a match, whatnot. Probably I'd probably say I so I attended 16 games at the um the World Cup in South Africa, um including the final Holland v Spain. Um so yeah, so that was pro- you know, that was a great experience kind of um, you know, getting to see a World Cup, getting to see the best players, getting to see a lot of games, um, and it was it was in a great country as well. So, no, that that was pretty great. Wow, that you've you've been to a lot of football matches. Favorite goal as a manager? Favorite goal as a so a goal for the I, the team that I've managed? Yeah, for for Maccabi, for Maccabi. We'll go with that first. Um, Favourite goal was probably, um, there was a game last season actually, you probably remember where G scored two screamers um, from outside the box. And I think, you know, to this day, he's known as Galazzo. Um, So, you know, one of those two was pretty good. In fact, um, there was also a game that um, in in our first season, we played in the cup. Um, We were a fourth division side. And we played against um, Azuri, um, who were a at the time towards the top of the second division. Um, and it was really the game that kind of announced us. We, we won 3-2 and Ruben actually scored the winning goal in the last few minutes of the game. And it was a goal that kind of from outside the box, it was in off the crossbar. Um, you know, everyone went mad because, you know, it was a giant killing. Um, so that was probably one of my favorite goals. I can imagine the scenes for that kind of goal. I mean, that's that's a fantastic way to announce yourselves into the into into Yaoi League, really. All right, um, all right. Uh, I guess next one would be favorite goal, just in general, that you've seen. <laughs> okay. Um, again, it was probably before your time. Um, David Ginnell actually he scored in the FA Cup against Barnsley in '99, um, where he kind of he picked up the ball on the left touch line. He kind of jinked past three players, not really by doing any sort of skill, just kind of like by dropping his shoulders. And then he kind of steered it around the goalkeeper. Uh, so if you get a chance, watch it on YouTube. Uh, Janela's goal against Barnsley in the 99 FA Cup. Maybe, you know what, guys? I'll, I'll find it. I'll include a clip in here if I can find it. So this goal right here. But yeah, okay. Interesting. All right. Uh, next one. Uh, best advice to give to younger players? Um, work hard, uh, take on board what you're told by your coaches. Uh, you know, even if you think it's the wrong advice, you know, you cannot be dropped or, t- or taken off if, if you're following the manager's plans. Um, and work outside of, you know, not just the training sessions, but work outside as well. Do your own fitness and, and, and skills. Um, and try and watch as much football on TV as possible. Um, 
we said that earlier, concentrate on a player that plays in your position, um, you know, particularly their positional play, their body shape, and, you know, mainly just, just enjoy playing football. Awesome. I think, yeah, especially that last point where you mentioned enjoy playing football, I think the youth football culture nowadays, especially in what I've seen in Hong Kong, at least, a lot of the players don't actually really enjoy it anymore. It's more just like you show up. It's more about winning now, more so than developing the players and really enjoying the game and understanding the game. So I think it's important that especially you younger players go out there and enjoy your football. Understand the game, yeah, sure, work on your craft, but if you don't enjoy the game, then realistically, you won't really go far and you won't really continue to play in the future. Um, best advice to give to up-and-coming coaches? Um, study the game. Um, use your experiences outside of football to help. Um, so psychology is a huge part of the game um, when you're a coach. So learn what kind of pushes people's buttons. Um, you know, it's not all the same. Um, surround yourself with people you trust and, you know, help out the younger players. One thing that I also, you know, I find quite hard is, is not to let a bad result carry on into the next week. Um, don't carry the burden too heavily. Um, just kind of see the next game as a chance to bounce back. Um, you know, it, it does, it affects me and it kind of, it makes, it gives me kind of a really bad week if we lose on the, on the Sunday. Um, so I'd say, yeah, don't, don't let kind of, you know, the previous game result affect you too much. Um, I guess it's the way of saying, you know, enjoy it, whatever happens. Yeah, I think it's very true that about with regards to not bringing that sort of negative energy from one game to another. At the end of the day, football happens like that. There's always a winner and a loser. And I think it's very important that, yes, you can, you can think about what happened during the game, what we could have done better as a team, what you could have done better as an individual. But at the end of the day one result does not affect the next. You can always go on to the next game and win it eventually. So, yeah, I think that's 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 really good advice, Tim. Um, I guess last last quick fire question. The name the top 5 most influential players that you've managed during your time at Maccabi. Top 5 influential. Um, I would have to say I don't know if I could put them in in, in order. Uh, Ruben would definitely be there. Um, Ophir would definitely be there. Um, I would, you know, um, Hans, who I think played slightly before your time. Um, three. This is tough. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Myra, I'd say yourself, just, just because of the hard work that you put in and kind of showed other... other appreciate that, Tim. Just kind of showing other players, you know, what, what, what can be done if you work hard for it on your game outside. And the fifth one, um, I probably... He, he did play, but he probably mainly managed. I'm going to say Ben. Because um, he'll kill me if I didn't say, mention him. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll go, for, go for Ben, just because, um, you know, he... Like me, he kind of went from from being a player to a manager, and you know he he's got a great love for the club, just just as I do. So that's awesome. Um, I think that's all the questions that I have. Is there anything else you would like to add, Tim? No, just to say I really enjoyed it, um, and thanks for inviting me on. 
Thank you for coming on as a guest, Tim. I really, I really appreciate it. So thank you very much, everyone, for watching. This is the end of the episode of the Hattrick Hero Show. Thank you very much for watching. If you liked it, please like, comment, subscribe. Share it with anyone which you might think may be interested. Tim, anything else you got to say? No, just uh, come on, Maccabi. Well, yeah, and please follow the social media accounts of Maccabi. Would you like to plug your own personal Instagram account as well, Tim? Um, well, you, you can follow me uh, at Tim Kresner, but yeah, make sure you follow at Maccabi Hong Kong. Yeah, please follow Maccabi's Facebook account, uh, Facebook page, and also uh, the Instagram account. So yeah, thank you very much for all the support, and we'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>